If you're a pro, you know that this is not efficient because you know there's a better way. There's also a better way to save. When pro customers buy building supplies in bulk at Lowe's, they save up to 20% every day. Buy in bulk and save up to 20% on concrete, gypsum, and gypsum accessories. At Lowe's, buy more, save more. Visit the Pro Desk or Lowe'sForPros.com for details. Discount applies to contractor pack items. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. Got a good show for you today, a day after the Packers beat the Houston Texans 21-13 at Snowy Lambeau Field. And the early forecast for Sunday against Seattle, more snow, something to keep an eye on. Today's show, we will talk about Julius Peppers. They go through the offense, defense, and special teams from the Houston game. But before we get rolling, I'd like to remind you to check out my work over at PackerReport.com, home of the world's best preview. Also, through Wednesday night, Packer Report members receive not 10% discounts on tickets, but 15% discounts on tickets. Really, where would you rather be on Sunday than Lambeau Field against the Seahawks? And Packer Report members also receive... 10% 10% discounts on gear through Fanatics. Talk about two great ways to take care of your Christmas shopping and new and renewing members get Sports Illustrated. And also, please check out the rest of the great Locked On Podcast Network, which includes Locked On NFL and Locked On Fantasy. And if you like what you're listening to, please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and Android app. All right, first down. Remember when Julius Peppers was old? We'll get to that in just a second against the Texans. Career sack number 142.5, which passed Michael Strand for number 5 outright, all-time in NFL history. For the record, Pepper should have set that record, or should have moved past Strahan last week. As all of you uh, longtime Packer fans with the memory of an elephant, you will recall that Brett Favre took a dive to give Michael Strand the single-season sack record, <laughs> which means Strahan really should have had 140.5. Anyways... Peppers officially beat so number five, probably not going to happen this year. I believe it is Chris Dolman at 150 and a half. So he's eight and a half behind, but pretty remarkable um, that Peppers at age 36 continues to keep rolling. Here's Peppers from yesterday. It's a huge deal. It's an honor. It's great company to be in. It's a great accomplishment and all of those things. I got home and reflected a little bit on it. But what he's done here the last few games is is. Pretty remarkable and obviously very important. Remember, before you know, if you go to the Chicago, Atlanta, Indianapolis, and Tennessee games, Peppers had a grand total of one sack and three tackles. The last three games, he's got a one sack in each of those games. He's coming off a season-high five tackles against the Texans. He also came off a season-high number of snaps in that game. I believe it was 53. Look, they need him, right? Look at, look at the injury situation you got. Nick Perry, who's having his best year. I, I assume he broke his hand. Uh, Mike McCarthy had no answers for us yesterday. But he came back out in the third quarter with a gigantic club cast over his left hand. So he's hurt. Kyler Fackrell's missed a couple games with an injured left hamstring. Clay Matthews, um, in, limited by the shoulder injury. So they are really, really shorthanded at linebacker. And, of course, Blake Martinez, too, an inside linebacker. So, 
right when they needed him, I mean, here's Peppers. You know, they eliminated his snaps for most of the year. I looked it up last night for a story over at Packer Report. A free story, by the way. Feel free to go check it out. In the first 12 games, excuse me, the first 10 games, Peppers played less than half of the snaps eight times. The last two weeks, because of all the injuries and, and Matthews playing inside linebacker to uh, take care of the injuries there, he's been back over 50%. So they, this is the design all along. It was designed was to keep Peppers fresh for the games that mattered. And now, lo and behold, look, all, all the injuries are there. And here's Peppers ready to go. And isn't it amazing? All these younger guys are hurt. Kyler Fackel, rookie, hamstring. Nick Perry hurt again. I mean, that's a bad luck injury. What are you going to do? You know, Clay Matthews hurt again. Here's Peppers, 36. It'll be 37 in, what, six or seven weeks. He's never hurt. Yeah, some pretty good genes there. Um, talked to Dom Capers about Peppers yesterday. Here's what Dom had to say about uh, the accomplishment and his longevity. It speaks a lot about his career to be where he is in sacks. He's a guy that any time in this league that you do something over that length of time and do it consistently and do it in the way he's doing it now, that doesn't happen often. I've been blessed to have two or three of those guys. You know Kevin Green was that way. Kevin down the stretch the last four or five years, he had very productive years. Julius has been productive the time that we've had him here. I also had Jason Taylor there in Miami who was very productive. Those guys are rare guys to do it over their career and be able to perform the way Julius is performing. So the question here going forward is what is the the future of Peppers? Remember, he he's turns 37 in mid-January. And he's not under contract. Um, you, you wonder what Green Bay is going to do there. I would think the next four games are going to be key to where Peppers plays or if he plays next year. I mean, if he does nothing these next four games, then I think it's probably official that Father Time has caught up with him and this three-game streak will be nothing more than a probably a footnote on the season. But if he keeps it going, you know, say he has in these four games, maybe he has three sacks, and he finishes up with, like, you know, say, nine and a half, or maybe even gets to ten. He's got six and a half now. But if he can string together some some solid games, you know, I'm not saying great games. I mean, he's probably not going to be great at his age and at the snap count, but if he can be productive, there's, there's got to be a place for him, right? I mean, it's part of that story that I wrote. I thought, I, I thought just for fun, where does he rank among the old guys in sacks this year? So I took it I took it to age 35. The guys who are 35 and over, Pepper's number one in sacks. So then I took it to 34. Then I took it to 33 and over. Then I finally took it to 32 and over. Even at 30, even among the 32 and up group, if you go back to guys four years younger, he's still fourth in sacks at six and a half. That's, so for a guy who didn't do much for a, for that four-game spin I mentioned before and was you know, looked like he was finally showing his age and all that stuff. Here, here is his, he's as productive as, as any veteran player in the league. I mean, 32 is not old, is it, in the NFL? I mean, it's kind of, maybe not the prime of your career as a pass rushing kind of guy, but kind of close, right? And here he is. He's fourth among that group in sacks. Pretty pretty incredible, and, and they're obviously going to need him going forward. And we'll get into some of that stuff here in just a moment. But here's Peppers on his future. It's all about how I feel. How one feels and having a purpose to it. Obviously, you know what the purpose is. The Super Bowl and all that stuff. But even without that, what's the purpose? If the season ends, I don't have a contract, obviously. And nobody calls and nobody says anything. Which I don't think that will be the case. But I've got to sit back and figure out if I really want to play. And if I do, why? 
And I don't know. I don't know. The Seahawks, after an ugly loss at Tampa, came back and demolished Carolina on Sunday night, and they will come to Lambeau Field as a three-point favorite with the over-under of 46. If that kind of stuff interests you, do you want to get into that action? Then check out to BetDSI.com. BetDSI has more than 20 years in business. They're a top-rated business and safe, which is why they've been in business for so long. And BetDSI.com has a great football special. Sign up today and get $10 free just to try their service. BetDSI is also offering a 100% bonus on your first deposit. They've got great customer service and fast and easy payment of your winnings. They've got hundreds of football and basketball wagers. In fact, you can bet on practically anything at BetDSI, from UFC to European hockey to Bundesliga soccer. You name it, you can wager. And BetDSI even has live in-game wagering on all football, basketball, and other major sporting events. You can play basically anything at BetDSI. So go to BetDSI.com. That's BetDSI.com. Go there now and use promo code PACKERS10 to get your free wager and start winning today. That takes us to second down, and I look at the offense from the game against Houston on Sunday. The two stars are actually the two stories. First is Jordy Nelson. Eight catches, 118 yards, one touchdown. And a day when the offense is really having trouble doing anything, it was Nelson to the rescue. Look at that passing game. Nelson had 118 yards, and he caught all eight passes. They were actually thrown his way. The other two targets were throwaways. So eight for eight, basically, for 118. Nobody else had more than 19 yards. So he had 99 more yards than anybody else. And when they needed him, there he was. Obviously, the, the touchdown pass where the guy slipped and fell. But 14-7, he makes a 21-yard catch in the sideline. And then later, he makes a 28-yard play, play up the field. And you know, I like Bob McGinn's description of a gentlemanly catch. On the 21-yarder, he gets up and he, he thinks he got hit helmet to helmet. So what does Jordy Nelson do? He looks over to the defender to see if he's woozy. And then he points out the fact that the guy looked a little bit woozy to the, to the, uh, to the guys on the, on the Texan sideline. So a fair assessment by Bob of a gentlemanly play by Nelson. Typical Nelson. But here we go. Nelson on pace for 92 catches, 1,163 yards, 13 touchdowns. Not bad after a torn ACL. He is ninth in catches. Ninth in yards, tied for second in touchdowns. Now, there's a couple caveats here. He's fifth in targets. I mean, he's been thrown to a ton. And if you look at it, he is 55th in yards per catch, 112th in catch percentage, and 108th in yak per catch. That's yards after the catch per catch. Now, go back to 2014. He was 12th in yards per catch compared to 55th. 61st in catch percentage. Compared to 112th, and 60th in average yak compared to 108th. So, by all those measures, I mean he's not nearly as good as he was in 2014. But that's okay. I mean that's the big picture. I mean that's okay, right? I mean I don't think anybody expected. Well, you know what? Maybe we did expect Nelson to come out and be Superman, and he's not. We probably shouldn't be surprised. But you know, this is the. I mentioned this in the the post game podcast with Keith. They had I was watching the. Uh, Tiger Woods Golf Tournament on NBC on Saturday in my father-in-law's house. We're baking Christmas cookies, as we always do on, on a Saturday in December. 
took a time to watch some golf, and Tiger was on talking about his future. He's 40 or 41 now, whatever he is, and he's had all those surgeries. And he referenced that when he first came on the tour, he was hitting the ball 300 yards, which was like second in, in the tour behind John Daly. Well, he's still hitting the ball 300 yards, but now he's, you know, everybody hits the ball 300 yards. So for Tiger to win and Tiger to be competitive, he said he's got to play different. He's got to think his way around the golf course and, and play different. And, you know, maybe it's the same as Jordy. I mean, there's the knee for one. You know, he's what, he's 31 years old or 30. He's 30 or 31. So he's getting up there in years. He's probably got to find a different way to be effective. And he's done that, right? I mean, if you're on pace for 92 catches for in close to 1,200 yards, that's damn good <laughs> by any by any stretch of the imagination and anybody's standard. And when they needed him against the Texans, when the Texans look at some of it was the field and the conditions, but you know they, they took away Devonta Adams. The Packers, of course, have no running game, and they need someone to lift the offense on their shoulders. And there's Jordy Nelson making play after play after play when they need him. The other storyline, of course, is that running back. James Starks, four carries, one yard. And he had a long gain of four, so that means the other three carries lost five, and there's too much of James Starks going sideways. For the year, he's averaging 2.3 yards per carry. He does not qualify among the league leaders based on number of carries. I think the, the cutoff at this point is 75, so he's not there, but... The worst in the league, there's 40 running backs at that threshold. The worst in the league is Tampa's Doug Martin. He's averaging 2.98, so run that up to three. I mean, Starks is averaging three quarters of the distance of the worst rushing rushing guy in the NFL. And you think, you know what, maybe the Packers are done with them, or, or almost done. Maybe it'll be a little, a little here and there, but... He played two snaps in the second half, and I think seven total for the game. If you look at the snap counts in the backfield, uh, Ty Montgomery played 29. Some of that was a receiver, a few of that, but you know, look, he played 29. Fullback Aaron Rupkowski, 24. Uh, newcomer Christian Michael with 11. Stark, 7. Number two fullback Joe Carriage played five. So Carriage played almost as much as Starks. And then when, when the going got tough, now it's 7-7, seven to seven, and there's Ty Montgomery. He played all 20 snaps on the Packers' scoring drives of 98 and 89 yards. There's Montgomery playing all of it. Um, you know, those are the Packers' best drives of the game, obviously, I and mean, probably their best drives of the whole season. And Montgomery came up big, that 32 run from their 11. He shows patience, shows enough speed to get to the corner, and then stiffs arms, stiffs arms, stiff arms, uh, the Texans' leading tackler, Bernardrick McKinney, to the ground. And he finished, so Mc, uh, Montgomery finishes 6 for 40. The rest of the backfield, Michael 9 for 19, Rapkowski 3 for 14, Starks 4 for 1. So that's a combined set, or, uh, 16 carries, 34 yards. So they averaged 2. Montgomery's over 6.5. And, and, you know, what, when, with Montgomery playing all 20 of those snaps, maybe the coaching staff's going to figure out that he's their best guy, and it's time to play with Ty Montgomery. You know, let's see what he played. He played 29 snaps. It's, maybe it's time to play Montgomery for 40 and give him more, more of a say in the offense. It's, it's time to win games, and he's your best guy, and he's, and he's been your best guy. You know, Michael showed you something on that, on that one rush where he, that first rush where he 
It's like he got shot over, shot out of a cannon and ran over a guy and fell forward for a, a, a nice run. It's time. It's time for Ty Montgomery to be the guy and Michael to play as much as he can based on his knowledge of the offense. But, you know, I like James and, and one of one of James' closest guys um, listens to the podcast and gives me grief when I, and I, when I rip, or not when I criticize James or, or point the stuff out. But I'm sorry, it's time to move on. He's had a He's had a good career. He helped him win a Super Bowl. He was fantastic last year, other than fumbles, which is the gigantic asterisk. But, I mean, he had career highs across the board last year. And the mystery of mysteries, it's just not happening this year. And it's time its time to win football games, and it's time to go on with Ty Montgomery and as much from Michael as you can get. That takes us to third down and a look at the defense. First, the D-line. Ty, Mon- or Ty Montgomery, geez Louise. Dean Lowry, season-high number of snaps against the Texans after not playing at all the week before. He rewarded the Packers with his first really good game of the year. One sack, had another pressure, betted on a pass, played pretty well. Green Bay's D-line played well in general. And again, some of that's, you know, the Texans' old line was on a couple of guys. You know, the field is not good with the snow. But Lowry played well. Mike Pinnell didn't play much, but he had a, he had a tackle for a minus four. Dayton Jones, he made a key play in that fourth and one run in the first half. Uh, Detroit Guyon, those two false starts, but after that, he was really good. A couple of tackles for losses, and both were hustle plays. Um, he had a tackle for loss and a running play where he lined up at, from the defensive perspective, he lined up at left defensive tackle and made the tackle all the way out at the right end. And then he had a tackle for loss on a passing play where, again, he lined up on the this time he'd been on the right side of the formation and it made a play on the in the left defensive flat. So it's a couple of good hustle plays there. You know, Mike Daniels not at his best, but he's still Mike Daniels and still a good player. Interesting to see that first round pick, Kenny Clark, seven snaps. That's two games in a row. Clark where you thought Clark was kind of on the move, and he's now he just had his his playing time slashed. So very interesting there. But the D-line as a whole played pretty well. I know you look at the run game stats. What a text, the Texans average, what, uh, 4.6 per carry. You know, a lot of that was draw plays and stuff. You know, the guy that needed to stop was uh, Lamar Miller. 14 for 22, 1.6 per carry, along a 5. So they stopped him. Again, a lot, a lot of the Texans' production was draw plays and a few scrambles. They need it, and they're going to need that because what in the hell do they do at linebacker? This, they are a train wreck. You know, it seems like injury-wise, it's one step forward and one step back for quite a while. You know, Nick Perry, as we mentioned, with the club on his left hand again, having his best year by a mile in his career. And then, you know, what can he do for the rest of the year with a club on his hand? Matthews, with a bad shoulder, 29 mostly ineffective snaps. And he, he probably wouldn't have played 29 snaps if not for Perry going down. It seemed like Matthews ended up playing a lot more um, regulars. At the start, it looked like he was playing mostly third down. And he ended up playing more in the in the regular packages because of that. You know, Julius Peppers played 58. I think I said 53 earlier. See, he played 58. I mean, is that, I realize he was nursed along for most of the year, but is that sustainable? You know, inside linebacker. Joe Thomas played 63. I mean, you don't want that, do you? You know, J. J-, J- Ron Elliott, for the first time all year, Played a lot. I think 21 snaps. He didn't do anything. 
Kyler Fackrell was playing a lot. He's been inactive the last two games with a hamstring, but he was playing a lot, but he wasn't doing anything. You know, maybe Blake Martinez, the rookie inside linebacker, returns, but you know, he wasn't playing all that well either. So the inside the the linebacker core is a disaster at this point, and I, I don't know what they do to get it fixed. So that puts it on the on the on that D line to to keep playing well. So that linebacker core, whether it's the outside linebackers rushing or the inside linebackers getting clean reads to make tackles, they're going to need all the help they can get because, you know, look, you know, Jake Ryan played pretty well in his return, but, you know, when, when your, your best guys are Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, and, and they are not, they're not Nick Perry and Clay Matthews anymore. So it's, it's up to the D-line to really rescue this defense, and good luck. Seattle coming down. The Seahawks have a terrible offensive line, but... 40 points against the Panthers. Panthers, who the hell are they? They also scored 40 against the Panthers on Sunday night. So it's going to be a hell of a test. We'll get into that, obviously, further down the road. But this D-line played well against the Texans, and they're going to have to keep going going forward. And that takes us to fourth down and to play the special teams against Houston. These guys are terrible. The Packers special teams are terrible a few weeks ago. I mean, the touchdown return against Indy, and, you know, they, they've gone from Near the top ten in my special teams rankings, the twenty second. But again, after a after at least getting a draw against the Eagles, and the Eagles have great special teams, at least a draw, if not an outright win there against Houston. Jake Shum beat Shane Leckler net punting, and Leckler maybe the best puncher in NFL history. Victory Green Bay punt returns. Randall Cobb two long returns, he told an average of fourteen point seven. Ty Montgomery, 39-yard kickoff return. They, they win the kickoff uh, return battle by 11.5 yards per return. You know, Crosby and Chum handled the snow well. Houston's kickers did not. You know, they, they uh, uh, Chris Brown fell in the extra point that he missed. And then, you know, Leckler hit the ball pretty far, but, I mean, he was just hitting low rockets. I mean, he, he was definitely punting tentatively. So, you know, this is a good sign. Seattle special teams, great. Um, they were, I think, fifth the last time I, I ran the numbers, and Philly was third. So, I mean, they basically they're an elite group. You know, Tyler Lockett, one of the fastest guys in the league, is, is one of the returners. You know, special teams coordinator Ron Zook pointed out yesterday, they are fast, they're experienced, and they, and they play a lot of starters. So, in a game where, look, you're going to have to play a great game to beat Seattle. The defense is... Look, the Seattle defense is a Seattle defense, and they're going to challenge the Green Bay offense, which I, I'm still not convinced is that good, even though they played pretty well. The defense is, look, they've given up 13 back-to-back games the last couple weeks. I'm not convinced they're that good. They're going to have to play great on both sides of the ball, and that means the special teams are going to have to play great as well and to, you know, to, either to at least not lose the game. Now, I'm not asking the Packers to go win the game on special teams, but they, they can't lose it on special teams, and they're going to be tested the max on Seattle, but at least that group is trending in the right direction. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Once again, be sure to check out the Locked On Network of Locked On NFL and Locked On Fantasy, and check out Locked On Seahawks while you're at it. And please go over to PackerReport.com and check out my work over there. Thank you, as always, for listening. I wouldn't do it without you. Have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow.
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.